Welcome to this week's episode of Birthright Living Legacy Podcast, where we share the stories of fatherhood and their effects because there is no manual. We are here to learn from each other as we build our fatherhood playbook. Now welcome your host, Marquise and Crystal Dennis. Thank you all for listening in and thank you for all of you that are sharing on Facebook and, um, you know, writing subscriptions for us uh, and saying that you love us on all of the uh, uh, wonderful platforms. Ladies and gentlemen, we are excited here to be here with the Birthright Living Legacy podcast, giving up the glory for Mrs. Crystal Dennis. <laughs> I was going to say Mrs. Marquise Dennis. But <laughs> I mean, I think that I think that works either way. I no, just, it it's always like a surprise in you know introduction for I me. Just I, never, I yeah. can't even keep up with how many nicknames you've given me at this point. And that's the Taruk. Oh my Ruk. goodness! <laughs> well, as he said, we are excited to be back. Today's father is going to walk us through a little bit of his journey, you know, growing up and some of the advice he had received and how he had to really find who he was within his journey. Um, he is a father of three, married uh, for eight years, and he is currently. The the uh, founder of Performance, I'm sorry, Purpose and Performance Group, which is a performance improvement agency here in Tulsa. They tap into the power of purpose to unlock the positive potential of individuals, teams, and organizations. So we'll give him an opportunity to talk a little bit about that, but we're going to dive into his fatherhood journey first. So without further ado, please help me welcome Chris Providence. Well, what a wonderful round of applause. I appreciate that. <laughs> You guys know how to make a guy feel special. Hey, we do what we can. Celebrating fatherhoods. That's what we do. Hey, we're here it's for. our live studio audience. You know, we got to thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Well, it's definitely my favorite role, you know, when I think about all of them. I think being, being a father's at the top. So it's good to be here. Definitely, man. We're so excited to have you here, man. This is. This is uh, like, you know, uh, one of those things where you're like, you're just kind of waiting on and it's like, ah, anticipation. Is he going to come? Is he going to come? He's here. Oh, my Gotta God. be here. Would not miss it. <laughs> so, yeah, man. So, um, yeah. So we'll just dive right in, you know, in wonderful uh, birthright, you know, legacy. Our, 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 our favorite question is to ask, you know, what was it like to what was your favorite part about being your father's son? Being my father's son. Hmm. Boy, <laughs> my favorite part. Um, you know, my dad, he cared a lot. You know, he, he made sure that we knew that we were loved. Mm -hmm. That was, like, I know that was his intention, is to make, for us to know that. You know, I think in life, there are certain dynamics that make it very difficult for us to show up as the person we believe ourselves to be. Right. And, you know, for him, like who he ran with, who he dated, who he's married to, all those things, mm. I think, affected his ability to show up as the person he knew himself to be. Mm -hmm. right. But I see the person he believed him to be and who I choose to believe him to be. And it's the person that made sure that we knew that we were loved. Wow. wow. And is that, is that something you were able to ascertain while you were growing up or is this like adult you looking back and saying, oh, okay, I knew what the intention was. I wouldn't say, uh, 
it didn't take that long, mm-hmm. you know, uh, from the time, I, you know, I think our home became fatherless when I was 13. Okay. Uh, so from that time forward, we, my brother and I lived with our grandparents and, you know, but it didn't change that fact about my dad. You know, it's just those other things that we choose to engage in can take our mind off of what we really want to be or what we really want to do. Yeah. I I don't think it's intentional. A lot of the roads we end up down that aren't productive. I don't believe people intentionally go down them. Right. It's one step at a time. One thing leads to another. And for before long, other things are garnering more of my attention than my primary role as father. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately that's, kind of the story but we had wonderful grandparents that stepped into that role and gave us opportunity you know there was someone behind you know my my father's parents were behind him and picked up that slack and made sure that my brother and I had a shot yeah wow so why did why uh if you don't mind us asking why did uh, dad why was he not there and grandparents had to step in I mean drugs and alcohol okay I mean that's that's part of it. And then I think there's a lot of impressed trauma on, let's say, you know, my dad wasn't a guy that would do hugely bad things, but he found his way into jams with the law occasionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And just out there partying, running around, doing the things, you know, as a kid, I didn't know if he was going to come home bloodied up from a fight end up in jail all weekend with a DUI. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't a lot of confidence of what that parental presence was going to be. Yeah. And I was the oldest of, you know, of our group. And so I, I bared a lot of that kind of responsibility. What you was know? your sibling situation like? Um, so I have a, a, a brother with the same two parents that's mm-hmm. three years younger than me. Okay. And so I was uh, definitely played a lot of caregiver role in that regard. Mm-hmm. And then I have uh, a half brother and a half sister. And I, the half sister is from a, the second marriage of my father's. Okay. So, and then my half brother is from the second marriage of my mom, but it all starts. And if it all starts for me being a child of a mom that was 15 and a dad that was 18. Mm. Oh, wow. Right? Like it was, there's a lot of that that's, and everybody comes by who they are, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Right, right? right exactly. Like, yeah. like, we know how this works. We yeah. know how it happens. Um, you know, my, my dad's working on the birth, <clears throat> pardon me. My dad was working on the birth in Northern Railroad and gets a phone call one weekend when he was home. Mm-hmm. And it was my mom saying, like, hey, I'm pregnant. And, you know, this was 1974, Ooh. you know. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, of course we're going to get married. Like, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, nobody was just liking the post and then going on about their day. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, that kind of set in motion just all of these things. I mean, you, you get you start scratching at, well, you you know, no, my dad had graduated high school. My mom hadn't. Now they're thrown into this world with kids. They got to support them. They're, they start off resource constrained. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. charts the path for everything that was experienced after that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's being, you know, I don't, I don't have that attitude of, 
oh, I had to suffer through this or suffer through that. Mm-hmm. Like all the suffering I've done were decisions I made as an adult. Right. You know, all the stuff I experienced as a kid, it made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that, how that informs the person that I am, makes me way better right. than what I would have been having not experienced those things. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what it feels like to grow up in a home where the parents are together or where they come home every weekend and you had the family dinners and you got to go on vacation every summer. I don't know what that's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes three of us. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's one of my concerns as a father. Mm-hmm. Like if that's the life that my children have, yeah. what are their outcomes? Yeah. You know, am I, are they getting justice by not experiencing those things Mm -hmm. that I feel really contributed to grit and persistence Mm -hmm. and the hunger. You know, what's crazy is that's like the age old question. It's like, do you manufacture some of the trauma that you went through to create uh, that again? And, you know, I would say, I mean, me personally, of course, science says no, obviously. Uh, But to me, I'm like, man, if you, uh, you know, one of the, the sayings they say is, you know, um, strong t- or was it tough times make strong men, mm-hmm. strong men make easier times, easier times make weak men, right? Weak men create hard times. And so the whole thing just, it's just like a cycle that perpetuates no matter, um, how we feel about it. It just keeps, uh, it just keeps coming and, and, and it, you know, naturally in a progression, it's like, you know, and so, uh, I think the, the beginning of the story says, you know, my dad walked, you know, 10 miles to school, my grandfather or my grandfather walked 10 miles to school. My dad walked five. I drove mm-hmm. uh, or I drive a Cadillac or I drive, my son drives a Cadillac. Technically my great grandson will be in a Ferrari mm-hmm. and then his son will be walking again. Right. And I was like, wow. That's just a crazy ordeal. So it's like almost like no matter what you, you know, even if you tried to manufacture it or if you, you know, like the, the natural progression of your life, your, your, your lifespan is going to just mm-hmm. go away. And I, I think it's just like depending on how many kids you have. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Well, and that's what it's really important to me. Like Landon, my 14 year old is here with me today. And like, (laughs) I don't, I don't shelter him from this stuff. Like let's have the real conversations. Like it's, you know, it was important for, for me, for him to come and hear the things that we talk about and hear the things that have affected, you know, my life and my role as a father. And like, he's part of my life. I, I'm not going to shelter him from, what I've experienced. And maybe that informs, maybe hearing these things informs a little bit more of his journey that he's, he's not going to experience that. Yeah. Right. And it gives him perspective too. I hope so. It's like, Oh, that's why you do the thing with the stuff and the people. You know, we have talked several times with our son and, you know, granted he's six months, so we've got some time to figure things (laughs) out. Um, But you know, both of us are ground up, you know, born and raised in the hood, left Mm -hmm. kind of to defend for ourselves. And we're like, man, we, we, we can't be who we are today if we didn't walk through that. So how right. do we give our son that without 
kicking them to the rocks and saying, fend for yourself. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's yeah. a great question. But Maybe we need to start another group just to do that. <laughs> just to do that. I think what you just said is is very paramount and key, though. You know, giving them that transparency. No, no, we don't want you to walk through that. But let us tell you exactly what we did walk through, you know, within reason and, and allow you to see how we came to be who mm-hmm. we are and the reason why we say, hey, be careful who you invest your time with because that's going to slowly, like you said, start to filter in the direction of your life. And whether you know it or mean it or not, that's what happens. Who you surround yourself around is where what you're you going become. and who you become. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So let me tell you guys something I learned yesterday that was that was absolutely paramount to what we're talking about. Uh-oh. And it just triggered right when you said it. <laughs> so uh, I was in a meeting um, with some guys who were uh, in the process of starting an international uh, fatherhood like coalition, if you will. And so one of the one of the, the people there is uh, Dr. Ken Campbell, who is like one of the foremost, you know, fatherhood experts of all times, right? And so he's he's, you know, shifted into grandparenthood. And so one of the things he said that was really key to this role that we're talking about right now, he said, you know, how many of you guys are grandparents? And, you know, most of them were. Um, and he said, understand this. You are the owner of a museum. Mm-hmm. Every time a child comes to your house, it is your job as the curator to walk through and say, you see this rock? This was from the first place where your great grandfather, you know, came to America, did the thing, did the thing. You see this picture or this trophy with your dad? This is what, you know what I mean? Like, and I thought Mm. about what a responsibility Mm. to be able to impart that wisdom and that legacy so they understand the story and I think about it now because it's like my grandmother used to always make us go through these photo albums telling us who people were, what they, you know, what was their role, mm-hmm. where they mm-hmm. came from, how they came about, why they're not alive today or whatever the case may be. And it gave us such an understanding of our history of who we are and our legacy. It helps with that process. So I thought that was just paramount i'm glad that i get to record this uh, to put it out there because i almost forgot until you guys said it but yeah i'm about to jump out of my chair (laughs) okay at that idea like this idea that someday i will be have a curated museum that is the narrative of our family absolutely yeah and i want something a hell of a lot better than like set it on by me we'll scroll some facebook together (laughs) right like so that tactical like i want the rock i want the t-shirt i want the hat i want the bucket mm-hmm. of sand or whatever yeah like so we have that tactical experience or that yeah. tactile experience with our families as we move through and something you said that was very you know even more exciting is like you're like this is the narrative i choose to have and so going back to that a little mm-hmm. bit i wanted to find out like you know because some of us that have been through those situations in life um you know it's like really hard to try to find those those moments what were some of the things that your dad was able to convey to you that helped you know you know what i am loved i am cared for by him it was the times when we were one on one on one and there wasn't noise mm. right you know it was the thing, and they like really stood out because there wasn't that many of them, right? <laughs> right. So I remember it was walking no further than a half mile to a pond and doing an overnight camp thing. Mm. Mm. And I remember like the campfire 
you know, little two-man pup tin or whatever. <laughs> but I just remember fishing at night. Yeah. Like it was the first time I'd ever been fishing at night. And that was something that, you know, we did together. Right. And it was, again, all the noise was outside of that space. Right. And this is a spot where it was just him and I in a moment of sobriety and care and teaching me something that I haven't done before. Mm. Like, here's something we do during the day all the time. Well, here's how you do it at night. And you can have fun any hour of the day doing the same thing. Yeah. And so it's, it's that moment. And I think it's, it's creating space for those impressions to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you guys have shoulder to shoulder or was he more of a talking while fishing or was he a shut up? You're going to scare the fish away kind of guy. Oh no. He, he, I mean, he, he would whisper. (laughs) (laughs) You can't talk loud. You still talk. Just don't scare the fish away don't like go throwing rocks or things like that i love it i love it (laughs) now you had said something interesting and i'm i'm curious i'm sure it wasn't a thing back then but you know have you heard of the five love languages sure so do you know if at then that was quality time was that that love language for you i'm just trying to ascertain is it because that was your love style or is it because there that was really an imprint moment that really shaped yeah i think it was a good question yeah that is a really good question that that's really it was the it was that moment, okay. and, I, and I would say it was those moments, Yeah, right? It was, like, we, you know, I mentioned, like, we didn't do vacation. A big thing for us is, like, if we got to go to a driller's game and have yeah. Schlotzkys, <laughs> then go to the driller's <laughs> game. And it was, like, yes. pre-Schlotzkys, Schlotzkys, like, you know, when there was, like, one store in Tulsa, and, and you know, they disappeared for, like, 20 years, right? Yeah. Oh, so wow. it was, like, way back in the day, and I remember we'd go to the Schlotzkys and we go to driller's game. And that was like one of the, you know, that was back when trailers was on 21st. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or, right. 15th. And yeah. Yale. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just those signature sort of moments and, you know, he coached our ball team, you know, a few times and it, it was like in my father, there was this guy that was wanting to show up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then everything outside of fatherhood took him away from showing up like that every day in a consistent manner Mm -hmm. yeah so we got our second signature question crystal i i want you to go ahead and ask this one you know you never you know Let's see I what mean, you, got. you know, it's all your glory. So no, you go know. ahead. Go ahead. I believe in you. Uh, so one of our second favorite questions to ask is, what is your favorite thing about being a father, having your experience with your father, and then now you are able to either take that in and, and mirror it in a way or mold your, your whole new journey? You can't handle the truth. I just like to press buttons. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was trying to talk as long yeah. as I could so he would lose the momentum right. and work. Yeah. Well, okay. My favorite thing about being a dad. <laughs> The moment Landon was born, I realized my capacity to love. Mm. Oh, wow. Like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) This is amazing. Yeah. And until that moment, I also did not realize the way that my parents loved me. Mm. Wow. Because that, like, shit, man. Like that's the goods. Yeah. Wow. That's that's that moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and then it's it's taking that and transferring it right into you know, what are the things we can explore together? 
Right. Mm-hmm. I, I really view my role as father as I'm here to facilitate role exploration, mm-hmm. not say like, well, you're going to be a baseball player or you're going to, you know, study political science or be an organizational developer. Like that's not my role. I'm here to facilitate, you know, what is leadership? What is baseball? What is bass fishing? Mm-hmm. What is, you know, what is camping? And then let the kids decide, like, does this fit my personality? Is it something that I want to learn more about and move into role acceptance Mm -hmm. and role commitment? But that's really how I look at fatherhood. I'm a facilitator of role exploration, and they decide what they're passionate about. And then I support that, you know, where they start going into deeper knowledge and deeper deeper learning and development of mastery. Mm. And this is way dorkier than what most people describe fatherhood as. No, it's no. Because, no, like, of what beautiful. I do, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think this applies as leaders, as fathers in our businesses and organizations. I think it's the same deal. Like, we're exploring, we're exploring different ideas and then deciding, yes, that fits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's go learn more about that and master that skill and see how it affects our productivity. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Wow. You said a whole lot there. Man, unpack I, that, man. Yeah. <laughs> unpack it for me, Marquis. So, facilitation. yeah. Hold on. Ahead, Before we ahead. even dig into that, let's go back to, you know, the moment that it hit you, that your capacity to love just exploded. You said it was when he was born. But was there a specific moment where you began to realize that? No, it was just, well, with Landon, he was, uh, he was premature. So I literally got to hold him for like, 10 seconds before they rushed him off to NICU. Yeah. So it was just like, here's this wonderful thing. Let now let's, now let's take it away. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, you know, they were very good and, and, you know, communicated kind of what was going on and all that. And, but it was, yeah. I mean, you're left setting with it yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah. You know, and it's, yeah, it's just, the, it's a realization of that capacity. Yeah. Because the capacity is already there, but I think we hold it back. No, this is a a true science that I've learned in the last week that uh, there's a book I'm reading right now. It talks about fathers have a capacity in their brain that does not even open until they take care of a child that cannot take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. So by you holding him, knowing that he's about to go to Nick, you that triggered that portion of your brain to open, mm-hmm. which it normally never will until you have that experience. Yeah. And so I think that's just awesome that you just proved something, you know, that I I've been reading mm-hmm. and it's like, wow. Because, you know, like I said, the capacity, you, you have no idea because you don't even know it's there. Right. And then it's like, wait, it's like discovering a basement with right. you know Batman stuff in it. Yeah, like, I wait, out, yeah, I walked wait, out. What? Yeah. <laughs> and then once that was open, and I, and I will say this: like, here's how it affected me as a man. Once that was open, it is like walking into that basement, mm. yeah. and you're like, "Whoa, man! Look at all this stuff! <laughs> <laughs> look at all this stuff!" Now, how awesome is if I can share this with everyone? Yeah, yeah, right. And so I approach life differently. I approach how I engage with other people differently. Because Marquise, I can say to you, man, I love you. Yeah, I know. Like we're all about supporting other fathers on their yeah. journeys to success. And for me, it's all courageous leaders. For you, like you're saying, fathers, man, like this is where it's at. This is yeah. what can change the world. And I agree. But I can say, 
I love you for the simple fact we're both human, man, and we have a purpose, and we're both trying to achieve it. Amen mm-hmm. And that gives us a bond that we can go do some stuff together. Absolutely. You know, it, but not holding that back. Like the 30-year-old me would never say that. Mm. Really? It's the post-fatherhood me yeah. that got really comfortable with saying, this is my purpose, this is where I'm going. And I only care about the people that are interested in coming along with me or that are on the same journey. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like what people think about me loving them, I don't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't change the fact I want to love them hard. We're going to do some stuff together and, and see if we can't change the world, you know, one person at a time. That is awesome. Yeah. And I love you too, bro. You know, that's, yeah, that's a great, that's a great thing is to be able to do that and then, you know, this day and age, you know, people get so uppity. What does that mean? What do you mean? Love me for what? What I do? When? Why? How? It's like, no, just you're intrinsically valuable just as a human. You breathe air and yeah. you're alive. Right. That's uh, that's as good as it got for me for right now. Yeah. So that's, um, you know, that capacity thing. And, and, you know, I also, one of the things as a father is I think that something we overlook is that every day we're leaving a legacy. Yeah. Right. Like our legacy, me being here, is part of my legacy. The thing I do next is also part of my legacy. And the tendency is for that to get really unintentional. Mm. I'm going to take the days as they come. I'm not going to look for opportunities to explore. And when I let life happen to me, there's some suffering involved. When I'm going out and making life happen and I'm crafting the existence that I want to have for the people I love, I'm connected with, my family, my friends, etc. It's an it's almost as it's aggressive action or massive action to craft a life that I want us to have. Mm. My vision of what our purpose should be matters in my family. Yeah. Yeah. And so does my wife's vision of what our purpose should be. And so to our older children's vision of what our purpose should be. And I think that exercise of saying things like, hey, today we're going to make sure that everyone under this roof knows that they're loved. Wow. And today we're going to do something remarkable for someone else. Mm-hmm. And today we're going to try something new. And today we're going to learn something that will help us along our journey. When we start with those commitments, those family-type commitments, and then we celebrate those and we recognize those, it starts getting really powerful. So it's about applying intentionality the same way we would for a business or other organization or a community. Like a family is an organization. A family is a community. Mm -hmm. The same rules apply. The more intentional we are about what we're trying to create, the more successful we're going to be. Today we're going to try something new. Today we're going to do something for someone else. And today we're going to listen to daddy. Yeah, right. Are you sure that is yeah. not at all? That's exactly what he said. That's, <laughs> yeah. I like these rules. I yeah, like, right. I like we're, we're on the path. And, and so it's those commitments that, you know, they kind of put some markers, some stakes in the ground to say, is our family showing up as the people they believe themselves to be? Mm. Wow. Like, are we fulfilling our commitments to those people around us and those people under this roof? How do we know that? Like this idea of like, how's it going, Marquise? Oh, I'm good. Everything's good. We're doing good. I'm great. You're great. We're great. Woo. Yeah. Well, you know, 
I, I hope that when, when I say, Hey, you know, yeah, things are going pretty well. You know, here's some, here's some wins we got last week, you know, as a family, nice. A, B, C, D. You know, here's some places where we're struggling. I've had to travel a lot. I'm missing the time with my kids, too much FaceTime, you know, so here's some intention I'm trying or some action I'm trying to take to remedy that. Right. And, and so that's the thing that I struggle with the most is time away given, given the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, you know, does it really matter why you're away? Right. Just I like, mean, gone yeah. is gone, yeah. you know, especially to a child, you know, right? Yeah. You're there. That's all that, you know, that's how the memory is scorned. It's, yeah. And I have a two-year-old, and she's like, Daddy, please stay, please stay, you know. And I'm like, oh, what I wouldn't give, right? Yeah. But, you know, that that person I'm called to serve isn't necessarily around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there's a balance to that. And, and all I can do is share with that, share with them as they grow older what, what my intention was and They'll accept me for it and love me anyway, or will shun me in the long run. I don't yeah. know, but um, but yeah, that's just kind of my approach. So, in the leadership journey of fatherhood, when you and your wife uh, were casting the vision for you know this this process, um, because I mean that's very important uh, that you said you know your uh, your wife has some input, your kids have input. Like when you were, did you guys start this journey? Um, you know, in the quiet rooms of your, of together, uh, and then bring it to the family. How did that, how did that vision casting process go? Uh, and then what was the process like? Was it received well? Was it just like, Oh dad, we're doing a new thing or, mm-hmm. you know, what was that like? Yeah. Um, you know, my wife now, like it was in that quiet room. It was, Hey, you know, what do we think about this? Mm-hmm. And I think the most interesting thing is once we, made that commitment the things that were happening around it did not influence that commitment it was um you know i think we found out we were having my second child the middle girl um one week after i left a corporate job guaranteed paycheck went out on my own and it's like the timing right (laughs) Uh, well i'm out on my own and now we're gonna have a kid and now this has to work yeah Yeah. you know and and so but like no anxiety a lot of stick-to-itiveness right like it's gonna be fine you know and that's the thing and that what i would say to any leader out there is remember like where you're at today you can always go back to there's Mm -hmm. no reason not to stretch for the next thing Mm -hmm. and what you'll find is like your launch point keeps changing Right, nice. you you reestablish to where you're going versus where you've been, and and so that was kind of the experience with my wife. Now is you know we made the commitment and nothing influenced that. You know I didn't run back and take a corporate job just because we had a kid. <laughs> yeah, you know it was like no, we're doing all the things. You yeah. know, and I think that's the that's speaking to that requirement that it is parenting, right? Two parents. Yeah, and that's. You know, I'll speak to, to Lana's mom, Christy, like we're really great co-parents. Wow. You know, and it, it's, you know, that story was different. And, um, you know, when, when Christy and I, his mom decided to have, uh, to have kids, like we had, we had challenges, yeah. right. And it was like not one sided, it was both sides. Mm-hmm. And I just, 
man, I went into a tank and like I got into a, a pretty tough spot, you know, just because what if I make, if I make this happen yeah. and that's how I was looking at it. Like if I get help in order to have a child, well, what if, what if I die next year? Mm. What if uh-huh. there's something wrong with the kid? Right. What if, what if, what if? Yeah. Are these fears justified? Are they not justified? But I remember I was sitting in my in my uh, therapist's office, and he goes, "Let me ask you this." He said, "If you had any other medical problem, would you be okay getting it fixed?" Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> okay, but it still leaves a question, yeah. right? Because we're playing with biology a little bit. Yeah. And, and I think everyone has to make their own decisions around that. But it's a not an easy journey to just say yes to all ends. We're going to make this happen. Yeah. Like there are certain things that we had to work through together. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I remember the day we found out Landon was, was going to be here and, and, and we were going to have a boy. Like I remember I was sitting in the Phoenix airport <laughs> and she's like, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to have a baby boy. And I just like, broke into tears you know like sitting in the middle of the terminal and it was uh yeah it was a definitely a watershed moment so that's crazy because i had to walk by and be like oh he just got broke up with right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's what it looked like i'm sure i was falling like a baby but you know i think it, you know it, so i had kind of two different experiences that like hey we're going to commit to this it happens boom and then i had another situation where i was like hey you know let's get down this path Mm-hmm. And then when it doesn't happen naturally, there's a lot of mental gymnastics that that happens. And you guys, if you know anybody that's gone through that process, you know. Mm-hmm. I you don't. Know? I, yeah. I you know that's that's an interesting thought. I've I've never, uh, or at least I don't know anyone that's gone through that. What mm-hmm. was what are the, what are some of the mental gymnastics that you had to navigate? Well, because when you know you're, when you know you you might struggle to conceive, mm-hmm. it's like every month mm-hmm. you're hoping that it doesn't happen that you, like that time of the month doesn't come because oh. you want to get to the point where you take the test and you want to celebrate that and i think you see that vision in your mind and then it doesn't happen and then the next month you try again and it doesn't you can't conceive that month either and then the third month it happens again and you keep trying and you keep failing. Wow. And then it's like, well, to now what conversations need to start? Mm-hmm. What are the things? What are our options as far as what we can do? Get this widened, get that widened, get this powered up, you know, mm-hmm. all the way through. And you start now, you might have disagreements. Yeah. How far am I willing to go versus how far? is my partner willing to go and it can, okay, well let's take these baby steps and then it doesn't happen. And now you start getting down a path of you see conflict coming Mm -hmm. when one partner is willing to go to the ends of the earth to make it happen. And the other partner isn't like, but it keeps happening every month. There's like this erosion of the connection because you have a source of conflict that really wasn't created necessarily by these two partners. Mm-hmm. But it's the reaction to the conflict that erodes 
it can erode that relationship. Mm. So that's just, um, yeah, it's man been there. Right. Wow. And, and those are the types of things ultimately you have to decide, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, how far are you willing to go and how do you stay together as partners if you commit to assistance Yeah, and making sure both partners are, on the same plane with how far they're willing to go. That's almost like a level of trauma itself. Sure. Wow. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's something I've never even thought of in my mind, you know, it's like, Oh, you go in, find out you got a thing, you just do the thing and then it's over. But like, I've never, I don't know if you've ever experienced anyone that's ever had to go through it, but I've never heard that side of it, you know, of having to really think about the mental, Cause just even as you were saying, like try it and try it and fail, it's like, you know. Then I, my immediate thought was like, well, how long are we going to be trying this until? Like, yeah. I, how far would I have gone? You know, how far would I would would, would Crystal expect me to go? It, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if we were really um, in that conversation, and then when those unex, when those un, when those expectations are you know, especially for one partner could be very high and the other person is like, eh, if it happens, then that, yeah, that could be a huge point of frustration. Yeah. I I think about that, just going to restaurants. Yeah. And, and I think it really made me take inventory of like, what is my relationship with God? Mm. Mm. What's he trying to tell me? Yeah. And that's what I had the toughest time reconciling. Well, yes, if I had any other medical thing i would get it fixed right right Mm -hmm. like modern medicine is a great thing and so do i say well god's intention was to bless this man with these skills to help me have a family to you know evangelize his name yeah you know and and speak to that value or god made me who i am and if he didn't intend for me to have a child because I had bigger work to do, then who am I to make that decision? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, here, you reconcile situation. that for me. Yeah. You, you know? I mean, you know, I mean, that's easy. Landon, welcome. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, we talk about this all the time in different, you know, when different trials and tribulations come up as we're on this journey, uh, even with birthright, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, on one hand, I'm like, but Crystal, you know, nobody didn't show up this time or this didn't happen. And she's like, but have you ever done anything and somebody not been able to be respond? You know, there's times where she'll come and just be that voice, mm-hmm. you know, and there's sometimes I'm like, well, you don't know, that's blasphemy. God doesn't want this, obviously, as you can <laughs> see, you know, and she's been a tremendous help with me in this area but it's like you know this is also an ex- a very external thing right you know what i mean even though it's my passion my dream my heart to reach fathers and be there uh to celebrate support them because of these kinds of stories it's also like there's a tremendous amount of opposition that you're gonna face 
And, and when you're, you know, especially navigating as a, as a dad or attempting to be a dad, it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're playing with nature. Is it, is it his will for me not to, or is it my will to fight through and, and have the testimony of saying, you know what I mean? And, and depending on who you ask, oh, and that would be a really good question is like, what was your, your circle like, you know, Mm -hmm. how did, how did, uh, your, your friendship circle or your family or your circle of support what role did they play in this journey or did you guys keep everything internal? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I don't believe that it, it may not be the most healthy thing, but I believe most people that are going through that, keep it to themselves Mm -hmm. or they have a small group of friends that are going through similar experiences, which presents its own dangers, right? Right. You have friends that are popping up pregnant all the time. Mm -hmm. And every time somebody else is pregnant, we're still not. Yeah. And it's tears and it's difficult conversations and it's adult shit. Yeah. You, you know, that's the only way to say it. It's like the kitty game is down the street. This is adult stuff. And those partners, like the partners in that relationship have to somehow elevate, right? Yeah. And I think it helps to put God first. Amen. I, I think it starts those types of things are exactly the types of things that will distract us from keeping first things first. Yeah. Because it becomes a part of how I feel. Yeah. It becomes I I feel ashamed because I'm not happy that my best friend is pregnant. Right? Mm. I mean, those are the mental gymnastics. Yeah. But I mean, it's a great spot to where like you say put God first. And some, you know, <laughs> so it kind of puts things in order. Oh yeah, you know, I think that's a bit of the requirement. I think it helps those parent those uh, partners kind of thrive through that. Yeah, you know, and maybe reduce some of that suffering that's involved with the process. Man, but yeah, yeah, that's that's almost a you know, like you said before, you know, a double edged sword because you have these, even if you do these select friends that you're going to let in and you're going to let know and, you know, but then you also have that, okay, every time there's a letdown now, I've got to let, you know, I've got to relive it. So that way you can continue supporting me, you know, and then if you're not cautious with who you're letting in, well then, you know, it, it, and even with the best intentions, there are times where just people's matter of opinion or their own life experience begins to trickle into them wanting to support you. And when that comes in, in something that's in opposition of what you're striving for, you know, then now you've got a little bit of hurt from that. So it's just adding mm-hmm. on every access to, to the emotional exhaustion. Yeah. And I, like leaving this part of the conversation, I just want to say like those parents, the, the partnered experience as a child matters. You know, yeah. I wasn't coming from this spot where I thought being a kid was awesome. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> like, we need to keep that in mind. Yeah. Right. And it, whether I'm me or whether I'm the other partner. Right. Like I understand that I don't believe that, but that doesn't mean that other people's child's childhoods weren't awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Perspective. So, and it has nothing to do with the type of upbringing or family I can create. Yeah. Right. So like, what's my job in processing those fears? And that's what I think Marquis, you you and I and Crystal, like that's what we're here for. Yeah, yeah. Like so people can reach out and just have a conversation. Like I'm concerned about this stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know? And 
Well, first thing we got to figure out is that a realistic fear? <laughs> yeah. Or is it a non an unrealistic fear? Yeah. And let's let's talk through some of this. Yeah. Because like even though you didn't have a great childhood, there's plenty out there that do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, there's a, a lot of people that didn't have great childhoods that made great families. Right. Right. So you know, just kind of leaving that part of the conversation, I thought that felt felt relevant. You yeah, know? most definitely. And it's very 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 relevant for them to remember that even if you did have an awesome upbringing you can still make crappy decisions <laughs> it just really yeah. boils down to and this is one thing that was really freeing for me it really just boils down to you have choices like you just have to know that you have a choice it's n- nothing is predetermined for you even if you had you know a lot of trauma your ACE scores are off the charts you mm-hmm. were raped molested and you know all these things you can still show up healthy in a healthy space for your kids, for your wife. Now, it's going to take some work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, you know, you waking up one day when you're 600 pounds and decide, you know what, I'm going to change my life. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you got to wake up tomorrow and still have that same energy. That's you know what exactly I mean? right. So uh, one of my questions would be, and this is just about all of fatherhood for you, Chris. Uh, if there was one thing that you could do differently, uh, what do you think that you would do differently to... Uh, better enhance your fatherhood experience my experience or my effectiveness either way yeah let me answer it right um i will say and i'm going to try to answer this for me and for anybody that feels like me right growing up under resourced and having like a vision for what i think success may look like and I'm here to serve people. And what so, the stories somebody tells when I'm not around matter to me. Mm-hmm. And I want to show up in a certain way for you guys today. And I want to show up for everyone else the same way today. And if I try to do that for everyone without boundary, I miss time with the people under my roof. My wife, my kids, and I end up supporting other people at the expense of the ones I need the support first. Mm. So I would say boundaries are a challenge for me because I want, you know, I want to show up as the person I know myself to be. And there's more demand for that support than there is time in the day. Right. So my, what would improve my effectiveness and my happiness as a father is to have more disciplined boundaries. Mm. Wow. Well, we just got to, that was, that <laughs> thank, was you, awesome. thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Definitely. Well, well, I want to just, you know, go on on record and, and just say thank you. You know, your your jo- your journey, your story, what you've shared with us today has been so impactful. And, and I know it's going to impact the fathers that are listening. And, and because of that reason, with what you do for a living, I feel like we really need to to give that plug to our fathers. You know, why would one of our fathers seek you um, and, and your your services through your organization? How can that benefit them in the long run? You bet. I mean, we are just about unlocking potential. 
and we help people identify what it, when I talk about showing up as the person you believe yourself to be, it only works if you are clear about what you believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's what we do. We work with, with, you know, leaders, fathers, people, people, people trying to make an impact. The most direct line to your impact is what you believe. Mm-hmm. And so I, we love working with leaders to say, like, let's put words to that. When you're at your best, what's that look like? How do you put that in the words? Like, yeah. let's give language to it so we can communicate it to other people so you know what behaviors align with the words you use to describe who you are. Mm-hmm. So we, we unlock potential by getting really clear about what people believe and helping them align their behaviors to that. Same thing as a brand, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if if there's a brand out there, if you tell me why that brand or that business exists, then you align everything it does to that purpose. How they recruit, how they onboard, how they build product, how they house product, how they ship product, right? All those <laughs> yeah. things. So, you know, that's really been my life's work is to say, what we do to be effective as an individual is the same thing that we do to be effective as a leader. It's the same way we have to show up on teams. It's the same things that organizations have to do. This whole like positive psychology, behavioral modification, all these things, it applies whatever role, whatever organization we're talking about, whether that's a family or a business, we got to do the same things. Be clear about what we believe and have those daily commitments that advance our purpose through the people we're connected with. Yeah. Well, man, we are so remiss that we run out of time. (laughs) Cause (laughs) like, bro, like you really showed up today. I appreciate that. And I'm glad your son was able to be here to see it. Um, You know, really speaks to his character. He hasn't even been on the phone this whole time. Right. I just knew he was going to be like all zoned out. Hey, look, I tried to even offer an Amaya. He's like, oh, no. No, no, no. I'm good. My dad's talking. Exactly. (laughs) I love it. So, man, we are about to jump into the uh, private fatherhood group. Uh, Crystal, any last words for Chris? Yeah, I mean, that was was essentially it. Aside from we definitely would love to have you back. um, Anytime. And and dig into this some more. No, I love it. I love it. Thank you guys for your leadership, your effort, and for everyone listening. Thank you all for your mindset and your commitment to growth and just kind of facilitating the experience of family for your for your children yeah all right man make sure that you like us on the uh the platform leave comments uh and share this with someone that you know may have uh been able to benefit from this wonderful thing and we will see you guys next time on the birthright living legacy podcast birthright living legacy needs your help as we are on a mission to help fathers who are needing to overcome obstacles to see their children we are preparing to provide curriculum counseling and family law assistance for any of our fathers. We will also have many fun events to participate in with their children as we build a fatherhood community. Partner with us on Facebook or Instagram and go to our website at brlivinglegacy.com and go to our donation tab on the bottom of the page to make a contribution. For any questions, contact us on any of our platforms as we would love to help. Birthright Living Legacy, changing lives one father at a time.